Gracious God, on this Christmas Eve night, we ask that you would speak to us, encourage us, challenge us. Lord, as we look to a familiar story, we pray that you would do something new inside of us, that you would change us, that you would fill us. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We sing the song, Joy to the World, the Lord has Come. But what do we mean? More specifically, and maybe more to the point, what do we mean when we use the word joy? Because, of course, we probably don't mean just happiness. Happiness to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. Happiness to the earth, the Savior reigns, let all their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding happiness, repeat the sounding happiness, repeat, repeat, repeat the sounding happiness. It doesn't sound quite right, does it? Not only does it lack a certain poetry, it seems to lose some of its depth. Because I think intrinsically we can feel that joy is about something more than mere happiness. Too often, I think, we make the words happiness and joy synonyms as if they're completely interchangeable, and I would argue that they are, in fact, almost opposites. Because where happiness is, is a positive feeling inside of us and, and sort of about us, joy is more of a response to what God is doing. If you think about that song, Joy to the World, you'll notice that we feel joy at the Lord's coming, and we feel joy at the earth receiving, and we feel joy at the Savior reigning. In other words, joy seems to be a byproduct of something bigger. Joy is the byproduct of God at work. Joy is the byproduct of God's faithfulness. We can't, as the book title says, choose joy because joy isn't about us. You can choose happiness, but therein also lies the problem because we can also not choose happiness. Or you can choose happiness, and yet that can be taken away or it can be lost or it can fade. The problem with happiness, of course, is that it's fleeting. You can choose it, but the next moment it could be gone. And yet joy, this word that's all around at Christmas time, it's on one of the banners in the back. It was on some coasters this morning. Joy is different because you don't pursue joy. Joy is a byproduct. You pursue God and you receive joy, which is kind of counterintuitive. If you set out to find joy, you won't find it. If you set out to find happiness, you could find it, but then lose it. Happiness is that positive feeling, but it's all about me. It requires good things to be happening to me, and therefore it's hard to maintain. Happiness is that feeling that kids have on, on Christmas morning. Happiness is what happens when you get what you want. Happiness is what we feel when we look around and things are going pretty well for us. But therefore we recognize we can make ourselves happiness. We can pursue things that make us happy. We can buy things that make us happy. 
But at the end of the day, continually, happiness is all about us. Joy is different. Joy is also a positive feeling, but it's not all about me. In fact, joy is really our response and our reaction to what God is doing. And therefore, it doesn't require good things to be happening to us, and therefore, it can be much more stable and lasting and meaningful. In fact, that's not a bad test for joy. If the circumstances take a turn for the worse and you only were merely happy, you will be left unhappy. But if you have a deep sense of joy, even when things take a turn for the worst, you can maintain your joy. Because joy is not about us, it's about God. Interestingly, I wonder if the pursuit of happiness actually ends up leaving us with less joy. Because choosing or chasing after happiness just points us back toward ourselves, which means it's all up to us. But if we could instead choose God, or at least rest in the fact that God has chosen us, maybe we would find more joy, and maybe that would be good. While we think about that for a moment, let me just remind you where we've been before we get to our passage. As we arrive at Christmas Eve this evening, we remember the portion of the Christmas story that we're just about to read. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. No room for them in the inn. And we continue to recognize that there may not be enough room for Jesus in our lives even on this Christmas Eve night. Most of us have already had a couple of days and look forward to a couple more of festivities that are planned, that we are still working on. But again, notice how little room there is, even for Jesus, in even our lives. But therefore, tonight, let us try to carve out a little bit more room for him. As the song says, let every heart prepare him room. And so that is what we want to set about doing tonight. And we do that with hearts of joy. And so if you would, I would invite and encourage you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It reads like this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his hometown to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he was of the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy 
that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened that the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning all that had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Amen and amen. As I pictured this story, I pictured Joseph trying to be faithful to the rules, even as that brings a whole bunch of stress and discomfort to his very pregnant wife. As I pictured this story, I picture Mary about to give birth, probably a little annoyed that she has to get all the way to Bethlehem, and then while she's there, she gives birth, and there's still no room for them in the inn. And so she's probably exhausted and frustrated, and yet happy and content with a new baby in her arms. But the ones I really like in this story, and the ones I want us focusing on tonight, are the shepherds. Because they are some of the unlikeliest and unusual people to put in a Christmas story. And yet they have maybe the most profound and instructive reactions. And so as we look back at our passage tonight, I want us to take a deeper look at these shepherds to see if we can't learn something from them. More particularly, could we learn something about joy? Because they seem to hear this good news that brings joy, and then they respond to this news that brings joy, and then this good news just bursts out of them into joy. And as we think about this and talk about this, it's worth asking some questions. Do we see and hear the joyful good news anymore? Do we respond to, are, are we changed by the joyful good news anymore? And do we share the good news such that we experience joy? So we start with hearing the good news. And this, the story of the shepherds begins uh, with them simply living out there in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. It's worth asking the question, was there no room for them in the inn either? Anyway, they're out there, they're, they're watching their sheep, which is what shepherds do. And, there's a, and then all of a sudden there's an angel. And then a great company of angels. And they appear and they share this good news. We're going to come back to the good news in a moment, but before we do, it's worth asking just for a moment, why would the angels come to shepherds? I mean, these were often young kids. They weren't even in town at the time. Why would you stop 
with shepherds? And part of the answer may simply be that God has a soft spot in his heart for both kids and shepherds. I mean, Abraham was a shepherd, Moses, David. God's had pretty good history with shepherds these days. But in light of today, I can't help but wonder if part of the reason was simply that they were more receptive. That they were in a place where they could hear the heavenly song. That they were available for God's good news. I mean, wouldn't it be interesting to find out that the angel actually appeared to a lot of other people on that same night, but no one else was paying attention? A little too busy, too distracted, a little too stressed, a little too noisy. And that being said, we can't be too hard on all those others because sometimes we aren't paying all that much attention either. It strikes me that maybe it was the shepherd's solitude and quiet and availability that caused them to hear. Or maybe they were simply able to recognize it for what it was, that it was news and that it was good. Because, of course, sometimes a message that has become too familiar loses its novelty and potency. It's interesting that the angels tell them that this is good news and it will cause great joy, which reminds us that one of the results of good news is supposed to be joy. But again, that begs the question, if we're not experiencing great joy, then have we forgotten? Or are we having trouble hearing good news? And what is this joy bringing good news? That a Savior has been born, and He is Christ, the King on David's throne. He's the Lord, God with us. He will bring glory to God and peace, wholeness, harmony, fulfillment to the earth. Hear that again for a moment, and think about that for a second. That would be news, and that would be good. A Christ means a new reign, a new reality breaking forth, bringing good into our lives and into our communities and into our families and into our world. Ah, God with us means we're not alone anymore. A revealed glory and peace reminds us that there's a better way to, to be and do and live, that there's hope. But again, it can be so hard for us to hear and believe and trust that good news. Because of the noise and the chaos, because of the fear and the rancor, because of our cynicism, because of our apathy, because of our doubt. But somehow the shepherds were able to hear. Maybe we could learn to listen better. And maybe we'd find joy. Of course, hearing is only the first step. We also can experience joy as we respond to good news. Because notice the shepherds now have a choice. Hearing is the first step, but, God, but good news then demands a response. 
frankly, I think this is one of the places the internet actually has helped us to, to feel about different kinds of news. If you read a headline, and you know, hypothetically speaking, please don't do this, uh, if you read a headline tomorrow that says, studies show that if you keep a, a full head of garlic in your pocket, you will be smarter and stronger and wiser and lighter and, and everything else good, most of us don't respond to that news because we recognize that's not news. A couple of us start to stink but because they believe the news, and you know they believe the news because they respond. Belief requires action, or it's not belief. Please, no one put garlic in your pocket. That was just, I literally just made that up, but, but, it, but it's helpful because you know these headlines. There's a difference in seeing something and responding to it. If it's news, we respond. Maybe we could get at this as we picture ourselves in their shoes, the shoes of the shepherds. The angels appear to us. We're not outside, we're inside, and the angel appears and glory shines around us, and we're terrified. But the angel says, do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy. And then there's a whole company of, of heavenly hosts praising God, singing glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on, on whom his favor rests. And then the angels return back to heaven. And then if it were us, what would we do? Whoa, that was awesome. Whoa, I've got, I, got a, I got a video of it, actually. We can watch it again. Here, everyone, come here. Let's, we'll do, we can watch it again. I, actually, I'm going to send it to a couple people. And then about two minutes later, so anyway, you were telling me about that Netflix show. What were you watching again? Tell me how's that go? My fear is that too often we respond to the good news by not responding at all. If it were us as shepherds who saw the angels, most of us would respond by staying right where we were doing our job, watching the sheep. But notice that's not really a response. But notice how the shepherds are different. Somehow they're able to recognize that the angels aren't the good news. The song isn't the good news. The goodness lies somewhere else entirely, and so they hurry off to find the object of the good news. And this is our second point, because there needs to be a response to good news, or it's not that good, or it's not that newsworthy. The only way we experience the joy of good news is if we respond to it, if we enact it, if we enable it, if we live it out, because good news always demands action. If a Savior has been born to us, if there's a new king, if Jesus brings peace, then our response is to become a people who live out that new reality. Because this kind of news changes us. If we believe it's true, if we believe it's good, we respond. But there's one more step in order to experience great joy. And that's to let that news out. 
to share that good news, to spread that good news to others. Normally, this is where we as Presbyterians miss out on joy because we mistakenly think that it's all about us and it's all for us. And therefore, we just kind of keep it to ourselves. We think that our experience of joy is simply something given for us, and we, in so doing, confuse joy for mere happiness. Because remember, happiness is all about me. Joy is a response to something much bigger. And therefore, joy has to be shared. John Templeton wrote, to get joy, we must give it. And to keep joy, we must scatter it. And notice, this is exactly what we see in the shepherds. They get this good news from the angel. They respond to the good news by going to Bethlehem and experiencing the good news. But then after they see him, they can't help but tell everyone else about everything they had heard and seen. And when we remember that the shepherds were often little kids, this becomes even more joyful. Oftentimes it was the young children who were out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. But therefore, the reality of this story is that a bunch of little kids get this great news, and then they start running around like crazy people telling everyone and anyone who would listen. And you've got to picture this. They come and they encounter Mary. Well, they have the encounter with the angels. Then they come and they encounter, and there's a baby, and he's lying there in the manger. And it says they hurried off and they told everyone about what they had seen and heard. So they're just running around now. Oh, my gosh. And we saw, and there's there's an angel, and they're talking about the thing. And then then we went to Bethlehem, and we saw the thing. And there's a baby, there's a a king in a thing, in their manger, which was weird. I don't know. And and I I, I beat him because I was faster. And then then all of a sudden, there's a king, and and the angels had said, and there was glory, and... And the scriptures tell us, and they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Because good news that is heard and good news that is experienced has to be shared. Which, by the way, is also how good news gets transformed into joy. Joy needs an outlet, joy needs to be spread. Joy needs to be experienced within community. The angel says, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Not just for you, for all. Before we finish this, it's worth also noticing that good news doesn't just flow outward, but then it also flows right back upward, because joy turns us back toward God in worship. It's interesting that everyone in this story, angels and parents and shepherds, all alike respond to all of this joy back into worship. They all praise God. They all glorify God. They all sing to God. They all reflect on God because of what God has done and because of what God is doing. Because God's good news turns into joy, and joy turns back into worship. Because it's all about God. It's not about what we're feeling. 
but it's all about what he's doing. And as we can focus more on what he's doing, we experience more joy. We share that joy, and we worship him because of it. Which is why we then can sing, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. Because joy is heard and responded to and shared back into worship. Let us pray. Lord God, on this Christmas Eve night, we confess to you that the one feeling we too often don't feel is joy. Happiness, sure. Exhaustion, sure. Anticipation, absolutely. But joy is too often missed. Lord, help us to be a people who can see what you are about, can hope in what you are doing, and can live out your love in your world. Help us recognize how much you love us, and as we do, we pray that we would experience joy, that we can take delight in who you are and in what you do. Lord, we thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus, to be with us, among us, one of us. Lord, in that mystery and miracle, we pray that we would find joy. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.